Webble with a cup of joe coming to you straight from Andrews America where we talk about small living and living that beautiful American dream. Welcome back all you podcast fanatics. We are here once again with episode four with Webble with a cup of joe. Joe, how are you today? And doing pretty good. Just out here getting ready to do this podcast. Yes, just another episode of the podcast. We've been doing fairly well here. Had a couple of uh, special guests and stuff and we got another special guest today. And this is a real special one uh, for the upcoming, uh, uh, what we like to celebrate July 4th. So we like to get this special guest uh, a real shout out and stuff. But uh, before we get into that, uh, how's your day been? Well, started off out there 5 a.m. waking up, getting dressed, putting on them work boots, making that 45 to 50 mile drive, passing that cattle guard. But early in the mornings right now in the summer, it's pretty nice, pretty cool. So I've been enjoying it, been able to catch the, if I can get to that wellhead PM 716 and face east, I can see that sunrise and maybe eat a burrito while it's coming up and then <laughs> continue my day work. But yeah, other than that, it's going pretty good. Well, good, good, good. That's uh, that's actually really good. I was going to say, man, I'm glad you're not out there in the, in the burning heat of the sun. Uh, of course, some my days have been uh, vice versa since I've been on furloughed. Uh, for a while and stuff, but uh, you know, I, I am here taking care of my little girl and stuff during the day uh, while my wife works, and, and then uh, she goes and works at the baseball concession. And then I don't know what gets into me, but I like to go out and play golf about four thirty, five o'clock, and it's probably the hottest part of the day. And uh, for this Mexican, I just I can't enjoy the heat too much, so. I don't know what I'm thinking, Joe. I'm sorry. Well, you know, back when I was a teacher and I had summers off, I'd be out there at the golf course. I would literally walk 18 holes at 7.30 in the morning. I'd be done about 9.30, and I'd wait for you guys to finish your normal day of work, and I'd go back out there and play 18 more in the golf course. Yeah, that, I remember those days when you were Dukes of Hazard right when the bell rung at the end of the day, and you were Dukes of Hazard right across Avenue G and see your Jeep jump a good 20 feet just to get back to the course to help us finish or play golf, so... Yeah, times have changed. Now I pass by the golf course, and I'm like, what are those guys doing? Why are they wearing those weird colors out there? <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. Well, folks, uh, for all you pad- podcast fanatics, we appreciate you coming in to listen to us once again. Like I said, we've had some really good turnouts and stuff with our past previous guests. But today, we've got a very special guest today. And, and I don't know how else to just put it out there. This gentleman here... Uh, uh, yes, uh, another gentleman. Uh, I'm very honored to have him here today, actually. Uh, I've known of him. I've seen him a few times, uh, but I'm going to actually get the privilege and stuff of talking with this gentleman here uh, today and, and getting to know a little bit about his life and what he's actually done. Uh, but for, for uh, first and foremost, uh, and I'll just uh, I'll put it out there once again, thank you so very much for your service, brother. I really appreciate what you've done for this uh, for us and, and country. And I know everybody out there does appreciate what you do. Uh, as we are here uh, in Andrews, America, and so as we get ready for uh, to celebrate our independence, it is because of people like you who serve our country, and we are able to have that and have that freedom uh, as well, and, and even to do things like this. And, and we want to put you uh, on notice uh, and say, Mister Mister Cow Buck, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much. Uh, that name to me just sounds like a professional baseball player. You know, you know when you think about that name, because you, you told me who Kyle, you, you said, hey, we need to get Kyle Buck on here. And I'm thinking, I was just, I was so enamored by the name. Like, the name is just, it's masculine. Oh, it's definitely, I mean, Buck. You just can't get better than that. You know, I, I feel like a man... I'm a less of a man because I hear that name. Because I'm like, man, why don't I have that name? Why do I go by Webble? Why do I go by Webble? That's just true. Why do I go by Webble? Not just Webbles. 
Webbles. Yeah, it's singular. It's singular. You're like, you're not even two Webbles, you're just one. (laughs) Exactly. Mr. Kyle Buck, I appreciate you coming on board, buddy. Thank you so very much for coming in today. Yes, sir. Mr. Kyle Buck, I appreciate you uh, taking the time out. And uh, like I said, we're we're here. We're a podcast that's going to be live and raw, uh, just kind of talking about Angry America and your life and what you've done. Uh, not only for in your life, but what you've done for uh, Andrews in itself. And, and I know that uh, you graduated Andrews High School in 2014. Is that correct? Yeah. And uh, have you, were you born and raised here? Um, actually, I was born in San Antonio, Texas. Um, I, my mom met my stepdad when I was about four. He's from a little town in Alabama called Brilliant, Alabama. Really, Alabama, yeah. and um, it's one. It's so small. I mean, I th- I want to say there's probably 30, 40 people. <laughs> really, that's a, now that's small town America. That is small town America, folks. <laughs> he he graduated with like ten people. Really? <laughs> yeah. So when your when your dad graduated with ten people, I'm sure that was that was probably the whole town there is what it was. <laughs> Essentially. But here, here's the question: Have you ever asked him where did he where did he graduate in his class? Like what number? Where did I graduate? Getting your class? dad out of ten. Out of ten. Oh. I mean, he better say one. My dad graduated second in his class. Oh, if you're not first, <laughs> you're not first or last. You're last. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, good deal, good deal. So, so your dad met your your stepmom. Or no, my my mom met my stepdad. Your mom met your stepdad in San Antonio, right? Uh, they actually met it. It's funny because I, okay. I was born in San Antonio, but uh, we had moved to Arizona. Um, my mom and my real dad moved to Arizona because my dad had a job out there, and that's where his family was living at the time. Okay. And when we moved out there, my mom and my dad split up. Mm-hmm. Well, my mom had met my stepdad in Arizona because he was working out there. Okay. And um, like I said, we moved back to Midland, actually where my grandma was, grandma and grandpa were, mm-hmm. and we decided to move to Alabama. We lived in Huntsville, Alabama for about, if I was four, about 10 years. Really? In 99, we, we moved to Huntsville and we, we left. We came back here in 2009. Wow. Um, and I pretty much, I've lived here ever since. Okay, so there you have it. So he's been here since uh, 2009 when he, when he basically moved from where you were to Andrews, America. Uh, would you say that it's different from what you remember at Texas? From Texans to Alabamians. Is that what, is that what you call Alabamians? It's our podcast. We can call them whatever we want. Whatever you want. So what um, would you think? I, there is a, a, a diversity, like, or I guess a, a difference um, mm-hmm. in um, uh, the culture over there and the culture here. Um, here, it's, you know, obviously there's a lot of Hispanics here. Yeah. There's a, there, it's a mixed culture. You know, you hear Spanish over here. You hear, you, you get the Mexican food over here. Um, you kind of get that part of the culture in Texas, but you don't see a whole lot of that in Alabama. You get seafood and stuff like that in sure. Alabama. Um, one of my favorite places to eat, and my mom hates it, but my my dad and my brothers and all of those love it. It's yeah. called Captain D's. I don't know if anybody would know Captain that around. Captain D's? Yeah, Captain D's. It's okay. a seafood place, and um, they actually have expanded to where there are some in Texas. Um, but first time my dad took me to that place, it was a dump. And it, I was like, no, I'm not eating here. And I mean, we every time we go back, that's where we eat. Really? <laughs> I mean, those are yeah. Those are the best places. You never would think about it, but usually the hole in the wall places are the ones you just yeah. Just they're they're, they're the best places. Yeah, absolutely. Well, fantastic, man. So, would you say you're Texas boy? You're a diehard Texas guy. 
Yeah, I'm a Texas guy. Except when it comes to college football. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if you're, you know, this Longhorn right here is kind of eating me up a little bit. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm roll tied all the way. Okay. That's, um, our core years of learning sports sure. and, and going up, you know, figuring out sports. Um, my dad's a huge Alabama fan. Awesome. And so... That's what was instilled in us. So, hey, so we we will accept our own because Sean Williams came from Andrews America and played there. <laughs> yeah. We will accept them a little time. That's <laughs> why, and that's why a lot of people here do accept it because they're yeah. like, well, at least we had somebody that went there. Yes, yes. <laughs> so. Well, good deal, man. So, 2009, you came here. What grade were you in when you? I was. At the end of my fifth grade. Yeah, yeah, so basically, you went to middle school and high school here, right? Yeah, I went middle school, high school here. Okay. So, from your middle school years, what... Did you play sports in middle school? Um, it's funny, because sixth grade was still YFL. That was the last year okay. YFL. Um, I had never played football before. Really? Never wanted to play football. <laughs> that was just, it's a contact sport, and when I was little, I was I was always one of the smaller kids. I was uh-huh. scrawny. I was taller than everybody, but I was scrawny, uh-huh. and I was like, I don't want to get hit. I don't want to do that, <laughs> and my mom, I finally went to my mom, and all my friends were doing it, so I was like, let's play, Yeah. and I played, and I loved it, and so got to middle school, or seventh grade, and was like, oh, I'm going to keep playing, Yeah. and uh, so I played football, basketball. Um, I also played travel ball during middle school okay. um, for a team out of Odessa called the Odessa Icemen, which is actually um, was a well-known team, uh-huh. like, like nationally. Um, really? And uh, we went, in, we got second um, in nationals my seventh grade year in uh, Frisco, Texas. We went down to nationals there and got second. And then my eighth grade year, my last year to play, we won. We went to Kansas, Hutchinson, Kansas, and won nationals. Really? There, and it's funny because when we got to that tournament, um, our coach walks up and he's talking to all the other coaches. Mm-hmm. His coach walks up to him and says, "We're gonna run roll everybody. Y'all don't have a chance here." He's like, "Nobody can steal on my catcher. Nobody can hit my pitchers. Nobody can." We left that tournament, run rolled every single team, really? played that team in the championship, and beat them. I think it was like eight to two in the championship. Really? <laughs> and, wow. and so, um, but yeah, I, like I said, I mean, I played all kinds of sports. Sports were a big part of my life in general. Right. But middle school is kind of where it all started. started. And that it, it's crazy that you say that because a lot of the times, you know, kids start now, gosh, they'll start second grade you know, or first grade to have a little flag football and stuff. I used to coach flag football and, and stuff. But that's actually kind of cool that you started, you know, you saying, hey, I didn't know what football was or anything. It just wasn't my thing. And then here it is, sixth grade, seventh grade happens, and then you start playing more and you actually find your love of the game, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you finish up middle school, you go into high school, uh, you start ninth grade. What, uh, because by then it, it competitiveness gets a little bit, a hmm. little bit, more strenuous, obviously you could say from middle school and stuff, but you have competed on a different level. Uh, you know, I think that some of the travel team, I, I agree with some of the travel teams uh, because they, they take that competitiveness on the outskirts of the county, sometimes out of state, and you get to see all the other people and stuff like that. Um, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, and, and then there's some things that I dislike of, you know, the travel ball, but that's a different story. But as far as anything goes, you get into high school, you know that you're, you're you, you, Basically trying to find what you want to play because you can't play everything. When it gets down to it, 
you know, you, you want to play football, you want to do track, you want to do basketball, you want to do baseball. And then it gets kind of hard, like, well, shoot, there's a whole bunch. Of, and then by the time you graduate, you're just usually stuck doing one sport. Mm-hmm. So you played baseball and football. Ninth grade? I played, well, my ninth grade year, um, football, I broke my leg. Oh, goodness. How, in football. How did you, oh, you broke it in football? Yeah, I broke it in football. Um uh, we had a game get canceled, and Coach Cordell, um, who's the varsity coach at the time mm-hmm. and the athletic director, he decided to put a scrimmage together between the JV and the freshman. Well, I was playing tight end, turned around a block, dude fell on my leg and broke my leg. And so I actually was out. Um, I didn't get to play any basketball that year. Wow. I played the last two weeks of baseball. Really? Um, and that was, the I think, the last two games or something like really? that. And I was able to come back. The, the rest of the baseball year, I was just the stat guy. Really? He <laughs> was a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah, that's coming from ex-coach Joe Sanchez there, the ex-stat guy. So, man, that's that's got to be a blow, uh, especially getting a broken leg. I, I can't imagine. Were you – so the next coming year, when you're somewhere, were you afraid to play football again because of that injury? How does that – how do you overcome that? Um, I actually uh, had told Coach Cordell – I wasn't playing. Yeah. I said, no, I don't want to play. Um, I just had that fear of, like, I broke my leg. Yeah. That hurt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I didn't want to uh, hurt any chances with baseball. Um, that was my first year to miss baseball since I was little. Wow. And, um, and so I, I didn't want to hurt that chance, so I told him I wasn't going to play. And he begged and begged and begged me to play. And finally, halfway through two days, I went to him and said, I want to play. And so he put me on JV. I played quarterback. Um, and that's the only reason I went back is because he told me I could play quarterback. I'd never played quarterback before. <laughs> so I was like, I want to play quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we weren't very good, yeah. but I played quarterback. So <laughs> I was like um, – but, yeah, it was tough. It was tough trying to come back from that because sure um, I wasn't as fast as I used to be. I couldn't jump as high as I used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just – nothing was the same. Yeah. Um, and as much as I tried to build that up, build that up, I just still had that in the back of my mind of it. I don't want to break it again. Yeah. You know? And um, so it was hard, but I did it just because I didn't, for one, I didn't want to watch all my friends do it. And I kind of just get to watch yes, on the sir. sideline. Mm-hmm. Um, but for two, I, I, I wanted to be able to say later on that I did it. Like, yes, I was afraid of it at the time, but I did it. Um, so that's really the main reason why I went back and played football again. Yeah. So then you decided to go and do it your sophomore year. You played baseball. I got to play baseball my sophomore year. And that, I will say, baseball my sophomore year was probably the best baseball I've played really? my whole life. What position did you play? I played, I started off second base, like rotating in and out. Um, and I actually, the beginning of the year, I didn't play very, like I didn't play a whole lot. Yeah. Um, I was a sophomore. I was one of the younger guys. And Coach Garner, I started hitting the ball real well, started playing good defense, and I eventually became the starting right fielder. Yeah. And um, played about two weeks in, became the starter, and played the rest of the year out in right field. So, how, Coach, ex-Coach Joe Sanchez, what, what would you say your perspective is on, on him playing right field as a hitter? Well, I can tell you that one of the things that Coach Garner always preached was hitting, 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 because you can't score on defense. And you can score, so he says, we're going to find the best nine hitters and we'll find a defensive spot for them. And uh, who we – I cannot remember who you were trading with at second base. It was me and Austin. 
Austin was there. Austin Luna. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Okay. Yeah, he was he was playing second base and he was the the starter. Yeah. Um, he had played there sophomore year. He was rotating in and out sophomore year, but junior year he became the starter. So they moved me when I came up. They said I told them because JV that year, JV and everything are freshmen. My those two last two games I played, I played shortstop. So Garner was like, okay, he's an infielder. Well, little did he find out that I had some speed. I could cover some ground out in the outfield. So. And, and so, you know, in baseball, typically, I mean, not so much in the high school, but typically in general, strong arm, right field, you know. And uh, Kyle was just a natural in the field. I mean, ball was in the air. It was going to get caught. I mean, I remember seeing him. I remember your, I guess, when you, those last few games of your freshman year, you made a play, and I can't remember – I think you were going out towards center field, a little pop-up, and he just ran it down. And I was like, I turned around to, at the time it was Coach Ramirez and said, this kid's going to be on varsity next year. And uh, sure enough, the coming sophomore year, I mean, there's one thing. I mean, I just, I had this vision of Kyle just going to start hitting bombs when he got to the high school, which he could have, but that's when uh, uh, UIL decided to change the, the bats and, and just dent the ball a little bit more, mm-hmm. came into a dead ball error. Mm-hmm. But uh, he still had a lot of pop, and like he said, he could cover some ground. And so, I mean, right field, just, he was a power hitter, so it's just a great spot yeah. for, for, for Kyle. Yeah. So, breaking the leg gave you more speed. Um, well, down the line, uh, later on, it, it did. Um, yeah. I think throughout that year, um, it, it, going into football, it was just kind of weird because I was still just right out of rehab. Um, and so football, I felt a lot slower. Yeah. Um, but as the year went on, I played basketball and I, I was still, you know, working out and everything. And once baseball came, I mean, I felt 100% like yeah. I used to be. Um, the only thing I still to this day probably couldn't, can't do as good is jump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't jump it like I used to. Yeah. But. Um, and it's funny because baseball, um, I never, after I broke my leg, I never slid with my feet. Really? Always went hands first. I just went head first. Yeah. My feet, I was just so worried about tucking that leg. Yeah. And, and so my mom always said, he's never going to slide with his feet ever again. I might go into home plate, a play at the plate, and I'm sliding head first. <laughs> You're a brave man for that one. So I, I don't know if I could ever do that. I, I remember sliding a few times, but I don't. I was always afraid to go head first. That's just the only way I was. Yeah, I was more of a head first person, but I was a small, a small athlete, so I just always found it that it was gonna be harder to tag my hand in my entire leg, and so I was trying to find a way to slide. Well, you know, with me being a big guy, I was a big guy then, so I mean, if I slid head first, I was definitely gonna scorpion because I was gonna get stuck in the ground, <laughs> and the back of my heels would probably hit the back of my head. So, <laughs> so that's how that's awesome, man. So then you go into your junior year, and Andrews, uh, being an Andrews Mustang, uh, play football. I played football my junior year. I actually did the same thing my junior year as well was I told Coach Mason. They brought in Coach Mason after Cordell, and I told Mason I wasn't going to play. Mm. I wanted to focus on baseball. Well, it was once again that thing of all my friends I grew up with are doing it. I don't want to miss that Friday night light yeah. feeling of being able to run out on the field. And um, and I two weeks into two days, I told them, well, they actually stuck me on JD for two games mm. um, because I was late for two days mm-hmm. and they didn't think I was ready and they moved me up the third game of the season and um, Coach Morris walked in the class and he was like hey what jersey number you want and I was like yes <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but that's the whole reasoning behind me wanting to play was all my friends yeah. I, mean, I didn't want to go years from now and say I, I didn't I never played varsity yeah. football 
Um, and what position did you play junior? I played wide receiver and safety. Wide receiver and safety. So being even a safety and wide receiver, you got to have speed. So once again, your speed was there, right? And yeah, my, uh, my junior year of football, my, my speed um, was a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, my sophomore year of baseball, it, it came back. And so going into football, it was there. Yeah. And then uh, how did you do? Uh, how did you do overall in that season, your football season? Um, you we did. We did pretty good. Um, that group actually, we had a lot of talent yeah. in that group. We had the because the seniors that year. Um, um, I mean, I could name so many that. I mean, we just had a lot of talent. I mean, we should have went pretty far, but was this the era of uh, Mr. Jace Hammock? Yes. Quarterback. Yes, he was a sophomore that year, and he was the backup quarterback, actually. Really? Um, but Shane Dolgener was okay. our starting quarterback, and um, he tore his ACL the fifth game of the season against yeah. Big Spring. Jace came in, and Jace played really well. Um, you know, uh, I think you, you look at Jace now, I mean, he, he, he's a lot better than what he was yeah. in high school. Right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he was good, though. He came yeah. in, and he got the job done for the most part. And um, uh but we had, I mean, we had studs like wide receiver Tadarius Ridge, you know, yeah. just people like that. I mean, we the, everybody always said that's the group that should have went far. Yeah. But we just didn't. I guess I want to. I don't want to say mesh right because we were all good close. It just on the football field, it just didn't come together all just the time. Just didn't have that synergy on the field, basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes it takes a little fire, and maybe maybe things were always a little bit too smooth. Maybe. Um, I talked to my head coach when I played, and, and he goes, yeah, he goes, you know, you want to know why you guys were able to succeed in, in baseball the way y'all did is because y'all had adversity after adversity after adversity, and together y'all faced those adversities. When you have a team like that that's just really talented, I remember them, they don't face adversity too often because they're really talented. Yeah. And so they didn't get tested enough, I, I believe, to, to be able to advance. The moment you come into a real test, well, you don't know what you got because you've never been tested up to that point. If I'm not mistaken, y'all had won <laughs> quite a few games by double digits that year. Yeah, we, we blew quite a few teams out that year. Um, uh, first round of playoffs, we went down to Tech Stadium. Uh, got to go up to Lubbock and play at Tech Stadium. Beat Borger pretty bad. And second round, we played Abilene Wiley. Mm. Well... No, schools down in Abilene, they, you know, they're good. Yeah. And uh, we just hadn't played a team like that that yeah. had that much talent and had that much speed and strength. And so, I mean, we went into halftime 55 to nothing. Mm. And so we were already, you know, we just didn't have that. Like like, um, like you said, it, it, we just never faced adversity that year. Yeah. You know, you take our sophomore year of baseball. That's why we were so good. There was times throughout the year that we faced adversity where we're down by four or five in the last inning, come back and win the game, you know, stuff like that. Or we lose two or three games in a row. That year, I think we lost to Greenwood that year. And everybody was like, what? And so um, there's just times, you know, and I agree with that. Like, you, you have to go through adversity mm-hmm. to sometimes to, to push yourself. There you go. Um, if you never go through the adversity, you don't know what it's like when you get in that situation. Um, but that team had a lot of talent, um, and uh, I'm glad I played. It, it was awesome. That, that, that's going to come up to a good point here uh, because then, you know, you play baseball, and then you get your, your senior year. This is your final year. Uh, you're still playing football. 
um, you're probably glad that you did mm-hmm. because now you have all these memories, everything that you fought for, regardless of you know the adversity of you breaking your leg and getting back in there when you mm-hmm. didn't want to and you did. Um, so how did you how did you do in your senior year of football season before before we get to baseball? Uh, senior year of football, I think we went. Eight and six that year, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't the greatest year, but it was another one of those. Team hadn't really ever faced any adversity. Yeah. That group, my group that I graduated with, actually, when we were, we had went undefeated, or we went like 12 and one my seventh and eighth grade year. Mm-hmm. Went undefeated my freshman year. And so that group was always the group that they were like, oh, they're going to they're gonna win it all. Yeah. They're going to, you know, this is the group that's going to do it. And um, we just, we got to our senior year. A lot of people had quit. We didn't have the same group, really, and we just um, kind of fell off a little bit. But um, it was fun, though. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless of the, the the outcome of our season, right. it was fun. Um, it, it it definitely sucked to walk off the field that last game. Yeah. Um, but it, it was fun, though. I look that, back. That, and, that is one of the hardest things to do is when, when you do walk off the field for one of the last times, you probably think you won't ever go back to doing, uh, just like in baseball. Uh, mm-hmm. With your with your senior year, uh, so ho- overall, did you did you ever have hopes of playing? You think you were gonna go to college? Cause we're about to get into the, maybe mm-hmm. what you want to do with your life because you're you're your senior now. Mm-hmm. Now you're moving on. You're like, man, this is this is it for me. Uh, it's coming up. Yeah. Now what are you gonna do with your life? So in baseball, you did you did did well senior year. Uh, still played right field. Still, um, actually, my junior and senior year, I was moved to center field. Center field, and center that's field. you got speed to do center field. So there you go. Um, and um, I, I was moved to center field. Um, I pretty much batted the five hole my whole really? high school. Um, uh, like I said, I was small in high school, but um, I was a power hitter. Yeah. And some people looked at me and they're like, "No, oh, this guy's not gonna hit." <laughs> but I did. I, I had a lot of pop. Yeah. And and. Uh, um, my senior year, actually, I tried to switch it <laughs> um, for the first few games, and yeah. it didn't work out too well. <laughs> I mean, I just had never switched it before. I can, you know, I could, I knew I could do it. It just would take time. But, uh, but yeah, I um, senior going into senior or going into baseball, you know, years almost over. Um, I my only thing growing up. I mean, I'm talking all the way up until my freshman year of college. Um, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. That's what I wanted to do. And I would, um, I actually would tell my mom and dad, you're going to be watching me on TV one day. Mm-hmm. And um, I would stand in front of the TV and act like I was players with a little, a little tiny bat and stuff. I mean, baseball was everything to me. And so that was my only thing. I didn't have, really have a fallback. Yeah. And um, um, so, I mean, going into senior year, I was like, I just want to have the best year I can. Um, I kind of fell off from my sophomore and junior year, but I uh, still had a pretty good year. We actually played Lubbock Cooper the last series. Um, I think it was the third round, fourth round, something like that. Um, and we played the first game in Lubbock, and actually we lost. My last high school baseball game was here in Andrews wow. on this field. Yeah. Uh, and so that was hard mm-hmm. because you're walking off your own field. Yeah. Um, but it was awesome, though. Uh, I mean, uh, like I said, though, I didn't really have any. But when it comes to plans, my only plan was I'm going to go to college, play college baseball, and I'm going to go pro. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm going to do. Um, and so I left for college, and 
So where did you end up? Where did you end up trying to get into college from? So you graduated. Was this before you graduated? You were already trying to find colleges, or was this after um, the fact that you were trying to walk on, or what were you trying to? What were, what I actually that? was my junior. I was already looking for colleges. Um, I was putting video out there. I was. Um, I had made it a made an account on. Uh, dang, I don't even know if the website's up anymore. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called, but. Uh, um, and I, I just didn't really get anybody. Yeah. Like, I just didn't really hear from anybody. And I was starting to get disappointed because I'm like, I, I, you know, I know I'm good enough to play. Yeah. And and that's what I kept telling, you know, my mom and them. I was like, Mom, I, like, I know I'm good enough to play with these guys. Um, and actually, I went to the All-Star game. Got invited to the All-Star game in Wolferth. I think that's where they had mm-hmm. it. And there was two coaches that showed up. Wow, and which is crazy to think about because these are the best kids in the this region for three A, and there was only two coaches, that, and it was Sol Ross and Western Texas out mm-hmm. of Snyder. So Sol Ross out of Alpine. Um, nobody ever came and talked to me after the game. Never heard anything. A couple weeks later, get a phone call from uh, Coach Mesker in Sol Ross or in Alpine mm-hmm. at Sol Ross. And he said, uh, hey, we like what we've seen from you. Um, would you like to come play? And immediately I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know, yeah. You're, the first, you're the first coach that's called me. <laughs> you know? I got off the phone and told my mom and them. So uh, I ended up playing, going up there and playing for Sol Ross. Um, um, freshman year, I, I, I didn't – they redshirted me. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of – gotten uh like well i'm not playing like this is rough having to sit out another year um i'm still working and everything but i kind of got caught up in the college life of partying and yeah um you know all that and um essentially my mom and them brought me home uh they said well if you're gonna be partying you're gonna do all that blow all your money for college then hey come home yeah and so that that's pretty much what i did after high school uh, when it came to college anyways so did you go a whole year in college, or did you um, go your first semester? Is that oh, yeah, I went the first semester, and I came home for Christmas, mm-hmm. and uh, the little Christmas break that we have, and um, it was like a week before I was supposed to go back. Um, my mom came home, and she was like, hey, you know, we just think it will be best if you come home yeah. for a little while, kind of get straight, and then maybe you can go walk on somewhere like Odessa College or something like that. Because yeah. uh, my grades were slipping. Um, I, I really, you know, I'd gotten to the, oh, I just want to party and I don't want to go to class. And, and I just was in a bad place in the sense of I wasn't playing ball. Yeah. So um, I came back home. I, uh, um, my dad told me, he said, while you're, while you're here, if you're not going to go back to college while you're here, you can either go to the oil field or you can join the military. <laughs> and uh, the first thing I told him was, I'm not going to the military. Yeah. No, no. That was a big no for <laughs> that you. That was a big no for me. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, I ended up not going back to college. Um, worked in the oil field for, shit, I was probably only there for a month. Really? And I walked in I walked in the house and said, Dad, let's go see the recruiter. Really? <laughs> and uh, he was excited. My yeah. mom was excited, too. How about um, you give our listeners a, a history of why he would be excited? Um, My, my dad... Uh, He's ex-military as well. Um, He did four years back in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. Um, And he just always had that 
Because my stepdad is our dad. Like, yeah. He, he raised us. Right. Um, and people get confused because a lot of people in Andrews know my real dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're like, wait. But right. you know, he, he raised us and um, he just always saw at least one of us kind of following in his footsteps. And so when I told him, he was like, oh. You know, it's kind of like a proud dad moment. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's oh, go. Yeah. Like, what, what's your dad's name? What? Uh, Lee. Shirley. Shirley? Shirley, yes. Shirley. I want to give you a shout out for listening to this podcast, and we appreciate uh, you uh, definitely what you did for our country and, and serving your time as well. So, we definitely want to put your name out there. Thank you for that. Uh, so, what branch was he in? Yeah, he was Army as well. Army as well. Yeah, I, I was Army. Um, I actually went in and. Uh, oh, where, where did you go? Did you go to the Odessa Midland? Or? I went to the Odessa one the, okay. in the mall. Um, I actually wanted to go Marines. Mm hmm. Um, and it's funny people ask why and I'm like because their dress uniforms are so cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to go Marines and um, they actually told me it was going to take like six weeks to get me to basic really? wow. so I said well I'm not going Navy and I'm not going Air Force no disrespect to Navy and Air Force right. we're just better that's the priority that they have between all them so so you told me, he's like, well, I guess, because you wanted to go quick. You, apparently you... I wanted to go. I said, if I'm doing this, I don't want time to think about it. I just want to go. Because if you give me time to think about it, there's a possibility I'm going to back out. Yeah. Um, and so I went to the Army recruiter, walked in, and within two weeks, I was in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. That quick, huh? Yeah. So, okay, so within two weeks, you're, that day comes where you're having to get shipped off, or you're, you're going to go to basic training. What were your thoughts then? Oh my gosh, this, am I, am I um, really doing this? Do you, do you yeah. remember that day? Or? Yeah, I was at, we went to the MEPS, uh, MEPS station, went up there. My mom and dad were with me, um, kind of did some stuff in there. And um, uh, well, the day before, actually, we had went up there and um, uh, I kind of did everything, all the physicals and stuff like that that they need me to do. And then the next day, we went up there and we all went to the airport. My mom and dad sat with me while we were waiting to go back. And we got back there, and um, I was nervous. Yeah. Um, it, it, it sucked to leave my mom and dad, yeah. you know, knowing I don't know when I'm coming back. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, like, where they're going to ship me after I get out. Um, and so, uh, but once I got on the plane, I was like, okay. I was like, this is going to be fun. Like, this is going to be cool. It's, it's going to be a good experience. Um, and I remember getting on the plane, and it's funny because... Uh, Ben Affleck's ex-wife, Jennifer Garner, mm-hmm. she she got on the same plane that we were on and sat right next to me. Really? And she walked on, and I said, I recognize that lady from somewhere, but oh well, whatever. Didn't even think anything of it. <laughs> Didn't well, even know he sat next to Batman's wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and, you know, well, then this girl that's sitting next to me, she's like, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and, and she's like, that's Jennifer Garner. I'm like, Who's Jennifer Garner? <laughs> I was like, and? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was like, I, I, I don't know who she is. Yeah. And um, she kind of told me the backstory, I guess, of her movie mm-hmm. she had played in. And um, I kind of just leaned over and I was like, um, 
can I get an autograph? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, sure, sure. And um, her assistant was like, oh, can you please not bother her? And she was like, no, 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 it's okay. And so we talked her the whole way to Fort Jackson. <laughs> My wife is going to be so jealous when she listens to this. <laughs> she follows Jennifer Gardner on, on Instagram. Yeah. And she's like, I feel like we could be best friends. You know, just, and she, she's such a down-to-earth person. Really? I mean, she, she was really cool. And, um, but it's funny because when we got off the plane, we landed, get off the plane, we walked to the terminal. Get around, and everybody's trying to take pictures with her and stuff. Boom! You turn the corner, there's a drill sergeant right there. Really? And I mean, he's yelling, cussing at us, telling Straight us to get up, over man. there. He didn't give a crap who she was. <laughs> That's awesome. That could have been cool. that could have been Tom Brady standing there. He did not care. And I mean, he was just yelling, screaming. And, um, and it's funny because he's telling us to get in formation, which formation is, um, you know, you have uh, you have. A, like when they march and stuff, mm-hmm. it, that's just the, it's just called a formation. Mm-hmm. And he's telling us to get in there. And of course, we don't know what he's talking about. We're like, so we're all getting in straight lines and all over here. And he's, then he's yelling at us even more because we're not doing it right. And yeah, this is at the airport. This is at the airport. This is off, this isn't even, off the turn. Yeah, we're not even on base yet. <laughs> he just wants to make a point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's making a point. You are nothing. Yeah. And um, so we finally get everything right. And he's, you know, we get everything. Well, we, he takes us outside. We get on a bus. Well, we go to um, this place that they call reception. And uh, because you actually, before you get to your unit at basic, you go through reception. There's drill sergeants there as well. They're just not as hard on you. Um, they kind of just like letting you get through, get all your gear and everything you need. And they issue all your stuff. Well, we got there at like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Wow. We, they're like, all right, we're going to get all our gear tonight, everything, get all of it. And it's like four, five o'clock in the morning. And he says, all right, go to bed, be up at six. And we're all like, wait, what? <laughs> it's five o'clock in the morning. What are you talking about? <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't go to sleep that night. Really? I was like, I'm not going to wake up. <laughs> I'm not, I'll be dead honest with you. And I remember the first thing that morning, um, here's somebody yelling. And we all get up, get ready. We do PT. Um, I think we ran like a mile that day. And I was out of shape at that point. I'd been out of college for a while. I didn't really, after college, I didn't really work out very much anymore. Yeah. And oh, it was the worst mile of my life. And <laughs> I did like 40, 50 push-ups, sit-ups. And um, well, then we went and ate chow. And um, I guess it was a few days later, um, they're like, all right, well, y'all are shipping out. Um and so we shipped out to our unit, and I mean, that's when it got real. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you get on there and um, you pull up to your unit, and there's probably 50, 60 drill sergeants out there really? just waiting on you. And you sit there, and you have your duffel bag, you know, right right on your chest, and you're holding it. And you have another bag on your back, and uh, drill sergeant gets on the bus. He gets on the bus, and he's like, all right, welcome to Fort Jackson, South Carolina. My name's Joe Sergeant So-and-so. You'll be spending your time, your next three months with me and the rest of the drill sergeants. Uh, You got 15 seconds to get off this bus, and 10 of them are already gone. (laughs) (laughs) And, I mean, we bolted. And, you know, trying to get out of there as fast as we could. Well, as soon as you get out the door of the bus, there's just starting to like right here. 
I mean, spitting on you, the, the, the brim of their Smokey the Bear hat are hitting you right in the head, and you're running like this. And, uh, my mom has a picture of me running, and I'm, I just, I'm like a deer in the headlights, like, oh, no. And um, we get up there, and they tell us which, you know, which platoon we're in and everything. We get lined up. And it's funny because um, there's a, there was a female drill sergeant who walked by me as I'm standing there. And I literally just glanced at her. And I mean, she turned around so fast and was like, are you I me private? And I was like, no drill sergeant. (laughs) I was like, I mean, it was the scariest thing ever. And I'm like, you know, plus, you know, you you don't only have her. I mean, you have like, like 50 of them. And you're just like, and so that was my first like week of basic. (laughs) And I mean, it's funny too because I look back at basic and I'd do it over again. Yeah. I mean, it was fun. The stuff that we got to do, the, the weapons we got to shoot, and throwing grenades and all that. I mean, it was fun. But I look back at the first week and I'm like, that wasn't fun. Yeah, <laughs> that was rough. So this this is three months basically of training, right? That you're going. Through. Yeah, you go through. I believe it's nine weeks. Okay. Nine. Yeah, nine weeks. Um, they actually the military just added another week onto everybody's basic. Um. And so you go through nine weeks of it, and it's pure hell. I mean, they, because their whole objective is we're going to tear you down to your lowest point to build you back up to your, to, to where you, you're, you just think you're unstoppable. I mean, nobody can, can break you. Yeah. And so, and they do a good job of it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they will break you down to your lowest point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's nine weeks of hell, but it's fun. Before going into any of that, did you have any sense of, like, that's how it was going to be? I mean, you've seen movies before mm-hmm. then. You've seen how, you know, videos were. And, and your dad was there. Your dad was there. I mean, did, did he tell you how it was going to be, or did you have some sense of, like, okay, well, I really know what I'm getting myself into? Or did you find yourself, you um, know, in the middle of it, like, man, what are, I mean, I really like this, yeah. but what did I get myself into? Um, My dad kind of told me stories of when he was in, but he also went in a lot. You know, or way before I did. Mm-hmm. Back then, drill sergeants could put their hands on you. Yeah, they could. I mean, I mean, I'm talking. They'd take you behind the wood, you know, the wood line, and beat the crap out of you. Um, when I went in, you know, it was a lot more strict. You couldn't really do that. Um, so it, it wasn't as bad as what he went through. But he kind of told me a little bit about it. But when I first got there, I, I kind of had an idea. But you can have an idea all you want, and it's nothing like the experience of you actually being there. Yeah. Um, and so about two weeks in, I did, I laid in bed one night and was like, what did I get myself into? Yeah. (laughs) Like, what am I just want to go home? Yeah. You know? (laughs) Um, and I mean, there's nights where grown men, grown men crying in their, in their bed. I mean, you can hear them. Yeah. And it's like, that's how you know it's real is you got grown men, the 30 year old dudes crying in their bed. (laughs) And so you're in there because anybody can really sign up, I guess, past the age of 18. Right. So, I mean, you're, how old are you then? You're, I was 19, 19. And so you, like you said, there's, there's 30 year olds in there that sign up. Yeah. Well, um, 34 is actually the cutoff. Mm. Um, it's either 34 or 35. I I don't remember exactly, but because there was a guy in there that was like 33 Mm. with us. Um, and so 34 is the cutoff, 35, um, just because that's kind of the age that I guess they believe you, you're kind of hitting your downhill. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've been downhill. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And so they just, they kind of cut it off at that. But, um, yeah, there's all kinds of ages, uh, all kinds of different people you meet. And yeah. There's, I mean, there's people from, I think there was one guy in with us that was from Nigeria. And he literally no. joined because he was trying to get his citizenship. Wow. And if you join in the military and you're, you come from another country, you once you get out, you automatically gain your citizenship. What? They earn their citizenship. Yeah, they yeah. Earn I mean, because yeah. all I did to earn mine was being born in Andrews, Texas. <laughs> yeah. I breathed and they said, Congratulations, an American citizen. They slapped you. Like, you are now uh, an American citizen. Like, damn right. <laughs> well, that's pretty awesome, man. And gosh, there's so many questions that I could ask and stuff, but, and, and I know we're, we're limited on time. But as far as anything goes, so you're in the basic training. Uh, you know, you, you're, you're about to get your. I guess you're, you're nine weeks done, right? Because that's basically the hardest part. Is it within that time after the nine weeks that you decide what area you're going to work in in the Army? Or is it before that you decide? Or do they say, this is what you're good at, this is what you're going to work in? Um, I actually, so I joined as a petroleum specialist. That was my job. Um, and so um, I dealt with all the fuel and gas and, and oils and stuff like that. Um, when and that can be a pretty dangerous yeah, so um, just just listen. I'm think. Okay. I mean, military. Yeah. Military. So you know the firepower. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm thinking about. You you think about gas and stuff. I mean, those are the first people I think I'd want to wipe out to keep from. Well, and, and, and actually, uh, we had probably one of the, like the number one most dangerous job um, because they do like uh, the enemy wants to take out your supply first yeah. because without supply you're nothing. Right. You don't have any, and so um, I mean you can think about it. You're driving that big 18-wheeler full of gas they hit that with an rpg that's you're just a driving yeah. bomb i mean exactly. you're just a, and so you're a target and you're a big target mm-hmm. um big slow target. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh don't get me wrong it's eight wheel drive but that ain't yeah. gonna get you away from, uh, from some bullets right so that's what you wanted to you went into as a, as a petroleum engineer uh and so you did that what, what kind of training did you do for that? Just learning to drive the trucks and stuff like that? or um, After the nine weeks, uh, we went. I got shipped off to Fort Lee, Virginia, which is where my job training was. Okay. So I didn't go home. I didn't. Uh, my family came down for family day the day before graduation, mm-hmm. and I was able to spend the day with them. And then graduation, was able to spend a little bit of time with them, and then went back. And literally that day, um, or the next day, they were like, yeah, and so they shipped me to Fort Lee, Virginia, um, and I was up there for ten weeks, um, and that's where I did. Uh, you pretty much learn how all the gas, all the gases, and all the oil, like just everything, how it all works. And so this is kind of the, the schooling part now, right? Yeah, you're okay. actually going to school. Oh, okay. Every single day, um, we still did PT at five o'clock in the yeah. morning. Uh, we, um, but we actually had rooms, almost like an apartment style uh, place where you were roomed with like two other people. And so you actually had rooms and there's different phases where you go through. So um, there's the, the beginning phase where you can't really do anything. It's almost like basic still. And that's like three weeks or two weeks or whatever, four, I don't know. And then you go to the next phase and you're a little, they're a little less lenient on you. You actually get it. You can start getting off base passes or, or ba- you know, on-base passes where you can go to the malls mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And um, then and you can actually get your tobacco privileges, <laughs> you yeah. know. And uh, 
And then you get to the last phase, and that's where you pretty much have, like, you're almost done. Um, they kind of view you more as an actual soldier instead of just a, a peon. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, but you're actually going to school. I mean, you, you march to class every single really? day, and which that sucked because that was like a two-mile march really? <laughs> to class every day and then a two-mile march back. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, hey, I was in the greatest shape of my life. There you go. Um, it's funny because... My last PT test, I ran 11.59, two mile, um, wow. did like 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups in two minutes, and I was in the greatest shape of my life. I yeah. came back home, and my mom was like, you're so small. And I'm like, yeah, but I can run fast. <laughs> you want to <laughs> I can see? do a lot of push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's but, awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah, that's where I went, was Fort Lee, Virginia, and did all my job training there. So you were, so you were there at Fort Lee, Virginia, you did all your training and then what happened after you got certified for all that? Um, about two, three weeks before you get out um, of, of your, it's, it's called AIT, um, your job training, but, but two or three weeks before you get out, um, you request, you, they give you a piece of paper and they say, write down three duty stations you, you wish, like your wish list, almost like you wish you could go to. Um, I wrote down Alaska. Hawaii and Germany and <laughs> um, the military just tells you where to go that's what I was going to say yeah, I was going to ask you and actually my order said South Korea I was supposed to go to South Korea and I was like you know what yes like I joined the military part of the reason why I joined is because I want to travel and right. I want to go and um, uh, about a week before I was supposed to graduate they switched mine and another guy's orders because he failed a class. And so he had to be held back one more week. Wow. They switched our orders from... I went. He was going to South Korea now. I'm going to Fort Sill, Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's a big <laughs> no, yeah. And I was... Uh, I, I got... A week later, I got shipped off to Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Well, actually, I got um, shipped off back to Midland. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... Got to do two weeks of, uh, um, like, the home uh, recruiting, okay. hometown recruiting, which where I came to Midland and actually helped the recruiters there to train new guys coming in on what to expect and, like, their PT and stuff. You were told to do that, right? You didn't? Yeah. I, well, no, I requested to do it. Okay. Uh, I wanted to actually go home because if I didn't, I would have had to go straight to Fort Sill. I wanted to actually go home, be with my family for a couple weeks. Once the two weeks was up, I went to Fort Sill drove up there got there and um, I was like wow looks just like my hometown (laughs) (laughs) and I was upset because I was like man I joined to travel yeah and now I'm stuck in Andrews Texas (laughs) (laughs) 2.0 and uh, I mean don't get me wrong I love uh, there's pretty places in Oklahoma Oklahoma's really not that bad of a place um but I was up there, and uh, I got to my duty station. Um, they sent me there, got, walked in the door, um, went and saw First Sergeant and everybody, and first thing out of First Sergeant's mouth was, hey, we're deploying in a month. I was like, oh, welcome to the Army, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and then, so I was like, okay. And uh, So you're like, really get to go yeah. travel. I mean, now I'm really going to go yeah. somewhere, but yeah. on the military's right. terms, not. And so... Uh, I, I mean, obviously asked where. Um, and he said, well, we're going to go to UAE. Um, 
didn't know where the heck that was. I was like, it's somewhere over there in the Middle East. <laughs> um, uh, which was, it's actually one of the safer places over there. Um, it's right outside of Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Okay. So when they told me that, I was like, all right, that's cool. <laughs> as long as I get to go to those places. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, like I said, um, about a month after I got to my duty station, I was already shipping out. You are already shipping so, out. So you, you weren't even really, when they basically told hey, we're deploying in a month, you're not. I was like, okay, well, I guess I can last Andrews 2.0 for a little bit longer. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, for, yeah. Hey, you probably, when you thought, that, man, I, I guess I should have filled that class too. Maybe they would have switched me again. Yeah. They would have gone to Hawaii. Yeah. Or gone to Alaska or something yeah. like that. <laughs> and I'm sure those are, like, I know that they ask you, and because my cousin, she's a, she's a, Navy, she's a Naval chief in the Navy, and they asked her, you know, where do you want to go? And, that, and they'll put you, you know, wherever three places, and it's usually... None. Oh, yeah, places. they're not going to pick. Like at all. But that's why you put Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. Let's give some tips out there. You go, you pick Oklahoma, pick Seminole, Texas. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, wait, wait, there's not a base there. I know. <laughs> so I don't want to go there, though. So, <laughs> so and I was going to ask, you know, I'm, I'm sure majority of the people, I mean, one of their probably top picks is Hawaii, obviously. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, like it's. I had a friend I mean, who went to Hawaii, and he said, "If you can ever, if you ever get the chance to go to Hawaii, yeah. go to Hawaii." That's what I. Mean. <laughs> I mean, I would think like obviously options are gonna be like Japan. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right? Japan. Yeah. Can you go to Japan? Hawaii, Germany, somewhere in Europe? You know. Alaska would have been cool. Yeah. Well, um, my dad was stationed in Alaska. Oh really? That's where he got stationed. Yeah. Uh, so he said, "If you get a choice." Like, I know they're not going to give you a choice, but write down Alaska yeah. when they give you a wish list. Yeah. And I was like, okay. I'd, I'd like to meet some people who actually got what was on their wish list. Yeah, that, that would be an interesting That would be an interesting convo, because it's like, it's like you say, you, you become, you enlist, you become government property. Mm-hmm. But they tell you where to go and what you're going to do. Yeah. And, you know, that's on, on your will that you join the, the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, deployment comes, they ship you off, and now you're in the Middle East, right? How, yeah. how long were you there? I was there for a year. A year? Um, uh, within my time there, I went from UAE to Jordan, Kuwait, Qatar, uh, and Afghanistan for a little while. Um, so, I mean, I, I got to travel pretty much the whole Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, it's rough country over there. And this was, <laughs> and this was all in the first, first year, right? Yeah, this was all in my, essentially, my first year and a half two years in the military I mean this is all and so I did get to travel not on my own terms but you know but it was still pretty cool and um, uh, like I said I I mean I was over there in the Middle East and that's not typically a place people want want to be but talk to us a little bit about the cultural differences I mean what what were things that you were seeing from each I mean obviously we haven't been to the Middle East we think they're all the same okay women are going to be dressed Head to toe, everything covered. I mean, but I, I'm guessing that different countries, different cultures. Yeah, even have, even in their own, they're they're different. And yeah. I'm sure they got different laws and stuff like that as well. So. Well, and um, I actually was, I was in a Starbucks in Abu Dhabi. Starbucks. Okay. I was in a Starbucks in Abu Dhabi. Um, it was right outside of the hotel, and the reason I was in a hotel in Abu Dhabi is because I got two weeks of R and R, rest and recovery. Um, came home, uh, got to be with my family for two weeks, went back. Something got messed up with my passport. They couldn't get me back on base. Because when you go into the base over there, you have to go through 
the UAE government okay. before you get it. Well, if you don't have a passport, they won't let you in. Mm-hmm. And some guy messed up, so they stuck me in a hotel for a few days. Uh, when my first sergeant was like, don't go off base, I was like, I'm going off base. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, Dirk, don't go out of your hotel. I'm going out of my hotel. Yeah. Sorry, first sergeant, but I went off my hotel. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I asked him, I said, why are some of the women covered? And some aren't. Like, you know, some of them are head to toe. All you can see is their eyes. Yeah, okay. And some of them have everything on, but their head's not covered. And then some of them don't just have regular clothes on. And he said, actually, it's all dependent on their husband. Of, or their, like, if it's not their husband, it's their dad. And uh, if it's their husband, it usually is dependent on how jealous of a person they are. Wow. So basically the men yeah. just control everything. Yeah, the men control every aspect of their marriage, their their kids, their their jobs, what the what the woman does, what what I mean everything. Mm-hmm. And so it, they're like if you see somebody with just their eyes, their spouse is a very jealous person. They don't want anybody looking at their wife. If they have just their head, you know, they're a little bit lenient. If they're dressed in you rarely see a woman dressed in regular clothes. That means Apparently, their husband don't give two craps about them, <laughs> but um, that was kind of weird to me, because I was like, that's yeah. just seeing anybody. I mean, uh, like, no offense to Mennonites, but I see Mennonites, and I'm like, why, you know, why, <laughs> why do they dress like that, right. you know? Um, but that was just different to me, but it wasn't like that in every country that I went to. Um, some of them, like, like Jordan, everybody dressed the same, and it wasn't the same reason why, um, I don't even remember the reason they gave me, to be honest with you, but it, everybody was dressed the same. Um, and these other countries, they're, they're really similar in a lot of aspects when it comes to that. Um, food's pretty much the same. I mean, uh, yeah. um, but there are some differences to them. Um, and like y'all said, most people just think they're the same. Yeah. They're, they're the same. It's all Middle East. They're, no, they, there's some that... Um, they think different. Their laws are different. They're, um, I don't know exactly how. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I didn't really get into depth on what, the, but there is though. If you're there long enough, you kind of start to like. Okay, I see a little bit, a little bit of difference in these people versus these people. Did you did you get a little, a little bit of sense of hostility? I mean, of how they would look at you because obviously they knew you were an American. I mean, did you feel definitely like an outsider there? I mean, did they were some just like ignored you? Or were some even nice? I mean, um, a lot of them were nice. I mean, they're a lot nicer than what you'd expect. Yeah. Um, a lot of them, like especially Abu Dhabi and Dubai. I mean, a lot of people are nice over there, but that's a real big tourist spot, anyways. So I think they're used to it. Yeah. Um, but you get to like Kuwait and Qatar and Jordan and stuff. They're um, it's not really pretty out there. Yeah. I mean, and it's just it, you know it's not a tourist place. Um, so. You did get those looks of, you know, like, I, and I'm not, you know, in Abu Dhabi, I did get some looks, especially in the Starbucks that day, because I was dressed in baseball cap, shorts, t-shirt, and, you know, it's 115 degrees outside, <laughs> and um, they kind of look at you, and, and it's nerve-wracking, because you have all these people, like, you have all these, you know, um, Middle Eastern mm-hmm. people over there that they're dressed in all this stuff, and all the things you hear about you know them and then you're just like oh, yeah okay i'm just gonna stand in the corner over here where yeah. i can see everybody <laughs> but um 
Yeah, I mean, you definitely do, though. You definitely kind of get that, uh, I don't want to say disrespect, but you just kind of get the weird looks. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, well, you're not from here, so. Wow. <laughs> so was there ever a sense when you were over there that, and I'm going to bring this back to when you broke your leg, mm-hmm. and how I'm going to correlate it is where you broke your leg, you didn't, you didn't want to play football again because you mm-hmm. broke your leg. You were scared. Mm-hmm. Now you see yourself in the Middle East transporting gas and oil or what have you. Mm-hmm. How was that scared? How was that 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 uh, that fear different from you hurting yourself to now you're in a hostile hostile place? Whether it was in the good parts of, I, you know, for me as Americans, we think of Middle East. It's there's no good parts here. You can yeah. see that because you've seen it. But well, we have. We think war zone. Yeah, just war zone. And most people do. That's that's their opinion on it. So, how is that fear different? Um, before I shipped off, or as we were shipping off, I, I had a lot of fear. I had a lot of, you know, you, you hear stories. You hear about what goes on over there. And so you have that in the back of your mind of, what if I do get in a firefight? What if I do get caught up somewhere? Like, what, what am I, how am I going to react? I've never been in it, so how am I going to react? Which, you're trained to do that. You're trained to, you know, you just, you, you're trained to react in those situations. Right. But it's still the fear of, well, I don't know what to expect. In all reality, I've never been over there. Um, but I had the fear when I broke my leg of, what if it happens again? I had never been over there. So I didn't, it wasn't the same in a sense because I didn't know what to expect. Um, but I did have a fear of, you know, different things, um, happening, you know, just cause you have, you see the movies, you see the, you know, right. and, and I will say a lot of movies, they're nothing like what actually goes on yeah. over there. You know, they Hollywood it up in the movies. Right. Um, I mean, I, I love the movies, but it's just, it's not the same until you've been over there. It's, and it's hard to explain, um, just cause I mean, I mean, I, I can definitely take yeah. your word for it because I, I do know how they expose it. And even CNN News or Fox News, how yeah. they expose it and stuff. Yes, bad things do happen, and it's sad to see. It is sad to see, you know, what happens and how some of them end up, you know, under fire and they do get killed. And, and that's understandable. That's what happens. Uh, you know, but you, uh, in your point of view, is like, okay, well, it is like that in certain places, but it's not all. No, no, and and there's a lot of places over there that they're very peaceful. That's all they want. Yeah, like they just want, um, you know, they want peace. But you know, you take when this whole war started. A lot of people give Bush a lot of back. You know, he gets the back rap on it. You know, and uh, I personally, I don't blame him. I would have done the same thing if I was in his situation. Um, I get that it, there are innocent people over there. And there's innocent people that shouldn't have to go through that. But like my dad always says, war is about killing the most people, blowing the most stuff up, and whoever does the most of it wins. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's the way he always <laughs> says that. And, and I, I agree with that because that's, that's war. Yeah. And that's the way it's always been. Um, but um, it's just, they're, they're, it's not all bad, though, like everybody says. Um, uh, there's places over there that are good. There's good people. Um, they don't mind us. Um, and so, 
to everybody, you know, that thinks that it, it's not all bad. Um, and, I'm, and I'm glad you made that a good point, and I'm going to emphasize on that. That's, this is first-hand account, folks, uh, for you podcast listeners. Not all people are bad, plain and simple. Not all people are bad. And, you know, we correlate that with what's actually going on now, yeah. you know, and that's going to bring us up here in a little bit to our next thing, but uh, with, with the whole bad cop, good cops type thing and rioting and stuff, and not all cops are bad. Not all people are bad. You were right smack in the middle over there in the Middle East. You knew what was going on. You saw it. There was, peace, there was places that were peaceful. Some people that wanted to take care of you, that's all they wanted, were just for you to be safe as well. Yeah. Thank you for coming over here and protecting us. Because it's like you saw it. Uh, not only were you going over there for, for war and stuff, but you're, you know, like Bush sent them, hey, those people, they're innocent people. They deserve to live and have a good, peaceful life just like we are here in America. And so that's why you were sent off over there, you know. That's how I visualize it. And well, and, and I visualize it the same. And, and that's of, uh, that's the soldier that you are. Yeah, you know? and well, and I just I, I look at it from a standpoint of I tell people all the time. Okay, put it this way: Would you rather be over here? Would you rather us be over there? You know, yeah. that's the way I look at it. Is that's hundred percent over there? <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I mean, and that's the way you have to look at it in a sense. I know it's harsh because there are innocent people over there. And like you said, there's good people over there that yeah. just mean well. Um, but it, at, at a certain point, you just have to look at it that way. Yeah. So you're in there. You finally get back in into your, your base and stuff that you're there. Uh, your daily job there is to... Um, I was pretty much there for all, uh, all the refueling of any equipment that we had there because I was actually in an air defense unit, okay. air defense artillery, um, and they just pretty much patrolled the skies. Um, anything that was coming in, like if something came in that was out of the ordinary, you know, either. We never, and it's funny because uh, air defense actually hasn't shot a missile since like 2004. Wow. wow. <laughs> um, but that's because people don't mess with the military. Yeah. They know the mil- the American military <laughs> yeah. is not somebody you want to mess with. Yeah. You don't want to poke at them. And, uh, um, but I was there to just pretty much fill up um, any equipment with, with gas or, um, you know, uh, any oil or anything anybody needed. Um, I was in charge of that. Um, and then actually my first two months there, I was put on gate guard, which uh, anybody that came into our um, – because on base, actually uh, right outside of base was our area where we had everything set up. I was in charge of checking people in and out of the area, people that weren't supposed to be there. Let them know, like, yeah. you're not supposed to be here. Um, and I was on that for about two months, and then I went back to doing what I was doing. Um, but essentially, I was just there to refill, yeah. refuel any any equipment. So – and I know it was a podcast, and, and I have to ask, and, but no disrespect or anything. Was what was was there any scary parts? Um, Why you there? Uh, any fire action taken that you were? Um, there was a couple incidents. Um, not any fire action, but there was a couple incidents on base. Um, there was a fake bomb that was planted on base. Wow. Um, that we actually had to go and like they had to get everybody out, you know, move them out and have the bomb squad come in and check it out. Um, when we were pulling gate guard, there actually was a guy out there um, that pulled up to the gate, but he didn't pull in. He was just sitting there, got out of his car and started taking pictures. 
Well, we grab our weapons and we're like, well, here we go. Yeah. And uh, kept, you know, kept telling them, you know, put the camera down, put the camera down. Well, eventually got close enough to him, hit him, knocked him down to the ground, zip tied him, threw him in our little really? area, called the um, security forces over and told them to take him. Come to find out, he he had authority to be there, but he but you can have authority to be there all you want, but you can't take pictures. Right. When That's we even odd. us, they told us don't take pictures because we don't want that somehow getting out. And and so the, other than that, there wasn't a whole lot that went on. Like I said, we were in one of the safest yeah. areas over there. And I guess I, I wouldn't consider. At the time in military, I guess you really couldn't say that you were one of the lucky ones because that's you did what you were supposed to do, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and that's why I'm very thankful for you, man. I really am uh, for you to even be there. Um, but you know, you hear a lot of that, you know, where some the people go out, they don't come back home, um, and it's it's hard, you know, for the families and everything like that. And that's why I kind of wanted to get a sense of. You know, even at that instance, because you look at uh, what's that, uh, the one movie with the bomb squad, um, oh, Hurt Locker. Yeah. And those guys, and you just, that's the movie that came right when you said when that car <laughs> pulled up and just sat, and he started taking, and you're telling him, get back in your car and put down the computer. He's not, not listening, he's looking at you. Yeah. You know, and you're like, well, what's going to happen to this guy with a bomb? What is it? Yeah. Through your whole sense, you can. And I, and I like to take you back because you can be sitting there once again you're back in high school and you're out in center field they're hitting you a line drive and oh shoot I gotta get this out and run and get it mm-hmm. and you get all nervous and tied up and oh crap I gotta get this ball right yeah. well now you have a gun and you're holding it to somebody yeah. and you're saying take that camera away like because yeah, you don't know the situation you, you don't know that he has no. authority there you don't know what he has in his car yeah. you don't even know if that camera's you don't know what's strapped to him. Yeah. You don't know what's what's going on. And it's like, okay, here's this gentleman here, man, Mr. Kyle Buck, man. Uh, listening to you from high school, I was like, man, I didn't know what I wanted to do in high school. All I wanted to do was play baseball. But yet you're here with this take fixing to take out a, a guy. Regardless, he was harmless, but we didn't know. Mm-hmm. You didn't know. And your mentality there, you know, like... After that happened, I mean, how did you feel? Was it like, uh, like okay, well, <laughs> it just was, another day, or like, okay, well, just keep going on with your life, or does that like? I think it was, uh, it was nerve wracking a little, like right after. Um, but it's just, I think you get in that mode of that's just, it was just reaction. That's what you're trained to do. Yeah, it's either, you know. I never, like, I'll put it this way. I never went over there with the intentions of, I'm going to die. Yeah. I want to die. No. Um, but if that's what it came down to, that's what it came down to. That's, you know, when you sign, you, you literally sign your life over when you sign up for the military. Tell them, hey, here, here's my life. Do what you want with it. Um, and so at that moment, that's the way I felt was... Well, if this is the way I go out, this is the way I go out. And, you know, a hell of an ending. Yeah. Yes. And uh, hey, you, you bring up a strong point there because I, I, I myself, I couldn't, I couldn't put myself in, in the military. And obviously that's why I didn't join. Of course, we all have the opportunity to join. And, and I don't have what you have, you know, to say, yeah, I'm going to go and sign up. And just like you, just like you said, uh, 
you're going to sign up and, you know, I'm going to go over there to die. That's what I'm going to do. And that's the only thing that came up to my, to my vision. If I was going to sign, that's what I'm going to go do. You know, and that's a scary thing. And you can imagine, I, I'm, I'm huge on guns. I'm a big gun guy. And, of course, a lot of people aren't, which is understandable. that They're value to their own opinion. But I couldn't imagine shooting the guns that I shoot with them people shooting at me like that. Like, how terrified would I be, you know, for something like that? You know what I mean? So I I think, you know, I thank God for people like you because it does take special people like you to to handle that, man, honestly. You know? Um, Man, I I can't be more proud of you, man. I really can't. Uh, I, I don't even, like, sometimes I just, I get lost with my words here, but. Well, let me try to, let me try to blend it all together. What did you learn during sports? Since you're such a big sports fan, is there anything that you could have correlated into the military? Was, is, um, was it just, I, I understand it's two different worlds. Yeah. But I mean, there's structure in sports. I mean, mm-hmm. other than that, but what what else could you weave in from sports that you took with you, or even just being from small town or family, whatever it is that you can. Um, I think uh, when it came to sports in the military, I think a lot of it that that went together was the, um, you know, sports is all about teamwork and and it's it, you're one team um in the military it was always one team one fight you know you're you're this guy standing next to you you may not know him from adam yeah but i guarantee it comes down to it he's gonna have your back and you're gonna have his and i mean it's about like there i i could have been out there i could have gotten a firefight and been out there with somebody i didn't know but if i needed to i was gonna take a bullet for that guy i he, he might have been from Nigeria, yeah, you know, and I don't, yeah. I've never, even, but uh, but that's just the way it is, and you do the same in sports, though. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm gonna take like football. I'm gonna take this hit. I know, and I'm gonna get here. I'm gonna go try to block this guy that's 300 pounds. No, I'm gonna <laughs> put on my butt, but I'm gonna do it so this guy can score. Yeah, and and um, and so it's it. That's where I kind of correlated a lot of a lot of it of the teamwork aspect of. In baseball, well, I strike out. This guy behind me picks me up by hitting a double in the gap and scoring two runs. Well, you just picked me up. Military. You know, I I never was in that situation, but, you know, well, you take the time that I confronted that guy. Well, I had my, the other guy that was with me that was right behind me. And, I mean, he was ready to unload if he needed to. Yeah. And so it's it, that's where I kind of correlated everything was the teamwork aspect of it's one team one fight. Yeah. So you were there, and you finished. I guess you're. You, how long were you there doing that job? Um, I was in Oklahoma and over there um, about three and a half years. Three and a half years. Just a little less than four years doing that job. Um, and um, it's funny because that's. That's not even the job I wanted, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I actually wanted to go be a helicopter mechanic. Wow. And the reason I wanted to do that is because my dad said, you get out, you're making $150,000 a year. True. Make go anywhere. Money. And, um, but I did that for about three and a half years yeah. and um, then got out. And so they, did they give you the opportunity to get out? Like, okay, you're t- did you sign a four-year I signed up. My contract was three years, 23 weeks, I think. Really? Yeah. And so after that, they pretty much came to you and said, hey. They say, uh, when they, so about a year before your contract's up, they come to you and they tell you, hey, do you want to. Re-enlist. Do you want to re-enlist or do you just want to get out? 
Um, and uh, they do that with everybody. Um, you can re-enlist, and you can re-enlist for up to five, six years at a time. Um, but I, I decided to get out. Um, my wife at the time, mm-hmm. um, we've been divorced since then, um, mm-hmm. but she was fighting a custody battle with her um, her ex, mm-hmm. and so she was court-ordered to move back home. So, well, she decided to move back home, which I don't blame her, you know. And uh, so I just decided my family's back home. I need to go home. Yeah. And so that's pretty much the reason, my reasoning behind getting out. I didn't want to get out, to be honest with you. I love the military. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was my reasoning behind getting out. So, Well, that that, that makes you an even better person, man. You're putting your family first. Uh, Family God in your country, Mm -hmm. obviously. Um, And I liked how you put that. So you got out. And you went back. Where was she living here? Or? Yeah, she moved back home uh, here. Um, and uh, so I just decided to move back home. Did you Have you had your child yet? or? Um, we had a little girl together. Um, she was actually born in Lawton, Oklahoma. Really? Um, and that was, she had, she was not a year, almost a year when she moved back. Really? Were you there for the... Yeah, I was actually there. Oh, um, good. When I came home from deployment... For the two weeks, the R and R I got, mm-hmm. I came home. And she got pregnant. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> and so, uh, um, I actually I came home from deployment, and her daughter had a bag for me, and said, you know, because I didn't know what if it was a boy, a girl, or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a bag for me, and I opened it up, and it was a little onesie, little girl okay. onesie, yeah. and uh, and so I was excited. Um, uh, it's funny because at first I, I wanted a boy. Yeah. I was, you know, every guy wants a boy. Exactly. Yeah. And actually, I will tell I, I have two other kids, mm-hmm. and every single one, they're two boys. Mm-hmm. I wanted girls. <laughs> I, my little girl. It was girl, a complete yeah, opposite, yeah. right? Yeah. And, uh, but, but, anyways, I, I moved back home, and uh, she was already born, um, uh, and I just felt. Like I said, I, I felt I needed to be back home with my family, and that was the best option for them as well. And so I ended up moving back home, came home, went to the oil field, you know, which is funny because I joined the military to get away from the oil field yeah. and then <laughs> came and back and found myself back here. Like they say, Andrews is a black hole. Yes, you know, I can totally relate. Yes. I went to school to not to go to the oil field, taught for 13 years, and what am I doing? There you are. I'm at the oil field. <laughs> at the oil field. So you had your daughters, and this was your firstborn, right? Yes. Okay, and absolutely probably changed your world, didn't it? My, my daughter made me, I just had a completely different outlook on life. Before her, I was wild. I didn't, you know, I was uh, just, I wanted to party and, you know, just have fun, and I was young, and when she was born, it just, I mean, my whole, like I said, my whole outlook on everything was different. I, how I acted, how, the way I did things. Um, and so I, she probably saved me from a lot of trouble. <laughs> um, but, uh, and like I said, I mean, most guys are like, I want a boy. Well, no, a girl puts you in your place. That's I'm the truth. Right now, a girl that's will put truth. you in your place. That is the truth, man. <laughs> that, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Cause you don't know this, but next episode we're going to have a special guest and we're actually going to talk about being fathers to girls. girls. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so that's, that's, I mean, like I said, that's having a daughter is, you know, I love my boys. Right. And they, I, I don't have a, I always tell my mom, 
I don't have a favorite child. That's I'd never have a say I have a favorite child. But my daughter, there's just there's a difference. That's right. Because for one, she's my first. She's my only girl. And my mom gives me gives me crap because she's like, "Well, you baby her." Well, yeah, that's my only girl. Yeah, I gotta baby her. Right? My boys are gonna be tough. Yeah, but exactly. She, and don't get me wrong, she's the tough one. Yeah. She goes over and she'll she'll grab her brother and, and no, and start yelling at him and I'm, I'm like, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it just she changed a lot for me and made me have a different outlook on life. So a guy, a guy born from San Antonio. Lives in Alabama. Ends up ends up in Andrews America. Goes off and plays uh, baseball for you know a semester. Sul Ross and Alpine. Gets sent back home. He wanted to have a sense of direction, like you wanted to live the dream. And we can say it. We we want you wanted to be an MLB player. Mm-hmm. You know we all did. You know Joe wanted to be uh, an opera singer. It didn't happen, you know. Came close, but it happened. <laughs> Came close, but God had better plans for you. So, looking back from where you were your senior year, did you ever think that you would be where you're at now? Gone into the military, served your time, served your country. And now you can go home and say, talk to your little girl, she can succeed, we can call you daddy. Do you ever think that you would be in that position at all? What does that mean to you when I tell you that? Um, yeah, looking back at my senior year, no. I, I thought, I'm going to be playing pro ball one day. I'm like, I'm going to be somewhere off from Andrews, Texas. Yeah. And um, I didn't expect to get married young and have kids early um but um i it just to look back from from then to now um it it, it's my life has been blessed like i've been blessed with a good life and and a sense of i did get to I, i do get to say i did my time in the military um i earned that right to be called a veteran and be and and I and now I I, I earn the right to be called dad by my kids. Yeah. You know that's those are my kids and you know I I actually um, you know me and my first wife didn't work out. Um, we're still great friends. You know we were real cordial with each other. Um, we I get to see my kids when I want my my two oldest. Um, I got I got remarried September of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, me and her are actually going through divorce now. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't work out, but we're still cordial, and okay. we, you know, I get to see my youngest son. Um, and and at first, when all that happened, you know, I look back at everything, and I'm like, you know, for a while I was, I was like, why, you know, why am I in this position? Everything that I've done up to this point has been good. You know, I mean, it's, I've, I've had a good life so mm-hmm. far. Why am I in this position? Um, but I'm also a very firm believer in everything happens for a reason. Sure. Um, yes, I've had two failed marriages. I have three kids and I'm only about to be 25 years old. But, uh, like I said, everything happens for a reason. And, and I mean, cause I could even go back to me wanting to play pro ball. My mom used to tell me that all the time. You just weren't meant to do that. That's not, that was not your purpose for this life. Um, and, and, um, 
but I look back and, and I'm grateful. Even though I've had, you know, divorces, I've had hard times. Like, I'm grateful for those hard times because it made me a better person. True. And it's made me uh, a better dad. And because I, I, with my kids, I look at it, I don't care if I'm not with their mom. I'll always be here for them. Yeah. And, um, and so all that, like, adversity. We talked about adversity. It's... I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for adversity. There you go. Um, because if I would have had an easy life my whole life, the first thing bad that happened would have torn me down yes. so so much. Um, and don't get me wrong, both my divorces tore me up. I mean, they're they're rough. And, yeah. and having to split time with your kids, it's rough. Um, but I'm okay with it because I know that there's a reasoning behind it and and I'm still going to be there for my kids. I'm still going to go watch my kids play sports and my daughter cheerlead or whatever she wants to do and um but I look back senior year to now. I mean, no, yeah. I didn't expect to be in this position. <laughs> um but I'm here yes. and I'm just trying to make the most of it. Adversity and and I I wanted to follow up on that point. Uh and I always go back to where, you know, you broke your leg and you didn't want to play. Well, you did, and you got faster. You played football, you got faster, and you found that baseball was your love. You got better in what it is, became a good hitter, and you went on with it. You didn't want to go to the military. You got past it, adversity. You went and did it, and then you ended up loving it, ended up loving Mm -hmm. what you did. Uh, You went out to the places where you didn't want to go, but you went to places where you never thought you would be. Without the military, I would have never gone to any exactly. of those places. Um, and you probably, no telling what would have happened, you probably would have never had the beautiful kids that you have now. Now you're out of the military, you know, things happen for a reason like you just did, and it's just another adversity, man. And it's, you still being in those kids' lives is, and I see that in your eyes, I see that I can feel it in your heart, your soul. You love them kids, and that's what it's all about, mm-hmm. uh, love. You love your family, you love God, you love your country. Your family's always going to be first. Your kids are always going to be first. I have two stepkids of my own. They're with their real dad right now. I'm so excited. I can't wait for them to get home. And then this one's mine. But that shows what kind of a man you are. You're so... I respect you for what you do. Yes, some things happen. You know, my, my wife, she got divorced. I'm divorced. I was divorced before. Uh, you know, Joe married his beautiful wife. She was divorced before. Uh... But we're in these people's lives for a reason to help them. And, you know, and I, and I pray for you, honestly, man. Continue to, to love your kids and stuff and everything that you do. So, this leads to the final point. You're back home now. Uh, you got back in the oil field. But the biggest thing I want to caption on is what your plan moving is. What, what, your, what your plan moving forward is. And I know we kind of talked a little bit about it and stuff. And Joe had mentioned that you wanted to go in the police academy mm-hmm. so continue you know with once again into into the <laughs> force you know and I don't blame you most of them do that I do know of that are, they come back and they join the, the deputy or whatever you want to do and stuff so what you want to be a police officer or do you want to be like a highway patrolman or does it is there a specific one you want to get into um I wanted to be like a police officer okay um and, you know, back to your point, a lot of people do get kid out of the military and they join the police force because that's the closest thing you're going to get to the military yeah. in the civilian world. Yeah. Um, and um, in the military, it was very much so instilled that 
you just do what's asked of you. Don't ask why. You don't need to know why. Just do it. And so it, it's been hard for me to get back in the civilian world where, like, I don't ask people why. I just do it. And then they're like, well, why'd you do it like that? Well, I'm, you told me to do it. Yeah. I'm not asking you why. I don't need to know why. Right. No, but that's the police force is almost like that. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, it, that's the closest thing you're going to get to it. But that's what I wanted to do was I, I just when I got out, I was like, I want to be a police officer. I didn't at first because I had a family. I, I needed to get a job. I needed to work. And, um, and for the longest time, I actually, when I was deployed, I got my associate's degree in kinesiology. Nice. Um, and I just never went back. And my mom still tells me to this day, just go back. Yeah. Just go back. You've already talked to Dr. Zom and them, and they said they'd give you a job. Just go back. And I'm like, yeah, but that's just another <laughs> year or whatever yeah. right after. And so, um, but... The police, you know, police department was a, oh, it's always been a goal of mine after the military. Um, and so I think that's still what I want to pursue. But if something falls, you know, falls through with that, um, I do want to go back to school and I do want to become a teacher and a coach. Um, that's, that was after I could get, after I left college, mm-hmm. that's where I was like, no, I'm going to somehow, some way, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to become a teacher yeah. and a coach. That was my fallback after that. Um, and so, it, like I said, if the police, police academy, police department doesn't work out uh, some, you know, somehow, um, that's what I want to do. But for right now, the police, police department's my, my goal um, for career-wise. Yeah. Anyways. Still want to do that, uh, I guess, protect and serve as a... Where your heart's at. You just got to go where your heart's at. That's well, and, and it's funny because a lot of people ask me now, and they're like, well, these are rough times to be a police officer. I'm like, yeah, they're rough times to be a police officer, but it was rough times when I joined the military, too. True story. And so, I mean... And, that, and that's why I get into, like you said, there, you know, what you'd stated before, there, there are good people out there. Mm-hmm. And I firmly believe there are good cops out there. And uh, I know you would be one of them, brother. I uh, greatly appreciate that. So, with that said, man, um, man, uh, once again, I, I can't thank you enough and stuff. But we like to close the, the podcast out with a, with a final thought, and we like to put that with you. So, whatever you want to say, the mic is yours. Um, just your final thoughts, uh, just on anything, man. In military life, all combined. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be your advice? Go ahead. Um, when it comes to the military, uh, first of all, I'd, uh, I'd like to, well, first of all, I'd like to say thank you all for, for having me. Um, but uh, when it comes to the military, if you're thinking about doing it, do it. I mean, I could, it's, it's something that it's going to instill discipline and structure in your life. Um, and to be honest with you, there's a lot of kids nowadays that need that. <laughs> Sadly, but there is. Um, but anybody, I mean, if you're thinking about doing it, it it's good. It, it's a good opportunity for you, um, whether you want to join because you want to go to school or whether you want to join because you would just want to serve. I mean, it, it's a good opportunity for you. Um, um, anybody playing sports now, focus on it. Don't focus on your girlfriend. Don't focus on your on any other stuff. Just focus. If you want to, if that's what you want to do, if you're like me and you want to play pro ball one day, baseball, football, basketball, that's got to be your main focus while, while you're in high school and everything because you can't get your high school years back and you're not going to get your college years back. Um, and, um, 
what you do now will affect your future. Yes. Um, and uh, any dads out there, I'm a big dad person. I'm going to buy me some new balances and some polo shirts and some, <laughs> some jean shorts and start wearing them around. Um, but just be the best dad you can be. You had there, everybody. I hear so many people. Um, I mean, take um, my dad, my real dad was, wasn't around very much growing up, and I hear too many pe- people with too many excuses for why they can't be there for their kids. Um, I've been married twice, going on my second divorce. I got three kids, I'm there for all my kids. Yeah, um, there's no excuse that's good enough to not be there for your kids. because uh, one of these days, your kids are going to look back and they're going to see, um, what you did for them or what you didn't do for them. Um, but to all you dads being good dads and being there for your kids, um, <laughs> keep doing your thing. Um, but like I said, once again, uh, thank y'all for having me. I appreciate it. Um, it's a heck of an opportunity. Like I said, I want to start my own podcast, so it's kind of <laughs> cool to actually see it in action. Yeah. And, um, but like I said, thank y'all for having me and, well, when you're ready to start the podcast, give me a call. We can start a network here. We can start our own little production company here. And we can get going. But let me go ahead and let, me let the people know out there where they can find you. Kyle Buck is on Instagram at kyle.buck1202 or 1202. He's at Facebook under Kyle Buck. He's got Snapchat, uh, Buck, yeah, 091419. He's got a TikTok. Kyle Buck 1202 and he's got a Twitter at Kyle Buck 1202 so uh, if you just want to get a hold of him and just talk military talk sports talk fatherhood um, I know that we didn't get a chance to talk about it we'll get him back again for another episode but he he's helping kids out with baseball as well right now well, we've been noticing that there's a lot of people here in small town Andrews that's always ready to give back to the community. That's true. And so, uh, Kyle, let me now say thank you so much for your service, bud. I was your that's coach good. there in high school, and uh, I always knew you were going to do great things, and you're proving me right, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, Kyle, uh, man, once again, dude, I appreciate everything that you've done, brother, um, for you coming aboard and stuff and giving us your time and everything, and, and also for your time of service, man. There's nothing else than to sit in front of a, a veteran like yourself that, that put their time out there, their life, uh, in, in, in I'm going to say it on the battlefield because whether you were here or over there, that's where you're at because that's what you signed up for. I greatly appreciate that. I greatly appreciate your fatherhood and what you do for your kids. Keep doing what you're doing, man, because I guarantee you, a lot of us people out there are watching, uh, and it's always good to see that there are still good people out there like you, good men like you that are out there. I greatly appreciate that. Yes, uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. Um, I'm proud of you uh, for what you're going to do. For You know, you want to go to school and become a cop, please do that, man. Push it as hard as you can. You ever come to uh, any kind of bump in the road, give us a holler, man. That's what we're here for. That's what, that's what good men do. Uh, that's what good friends do. We're there for each other. Uh, I'm going to leave you with this. I had a good friend in college who went into college and he was in the military. Every time he used to say something, he'd say, see you later, guns and butter. He'd always say that. I was like, why does he say guns and butter? Well, let me tell you folks, he was in the military. He was in the Marines. And the only reason he said guns and butter all the time, it was a good thing. Because there's nothing better than shooting a gun. There's nothing better than the taste of butter because they hardly didn't have really good food wherever they were eating. So it was always good to say. So it always say guns and butter. <laughs> so just a little insight right there. Mr. Kyle Buck, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much, man. Appreciate yes, you. You keep living. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you next time on the next episode, which we'll have another special guest on episode five. Talking a little bit about fatherhood. Joe? Hey, like always, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Wevel with a cup of Joe. 
You can subscribe to us on podcasts. You can always find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and Radio Public. Folks, please, please share this podcast. Tell the people out there. We love Andrews. We love Andrews America. We love small town living, baby. Yes, happy July 4th, guys. Thank y'all.